Hello, thank you for joining me for a time out with Todd. Yes, that's right. I said hello. Thank you for joining me again. Sure, you're probably surprised to hear that we're back, but we're back, baby, and better than ever. So, just to debrief a little bit about what happened, because I know the last episode is probably a year ago, and you're probably saying to yourself, hey, Todd, what the heck? The last episode you had was sports. You're absolutely right. But a lot's changed, and so has time out with Todd. So, to just quickly go over it, so that way we can start the episode. A year ago, my wife was pregnant, and we were expecting our beautiful baby girl. Baby girl was born last year, April 9th, 2021, and it's probably been the best thing to ever happen. So, the past year has been mainly focused on taking care of her, I want to say. Becoming a full-time dad, which has probably been the best job I've ever had. As well as starting an actual new job, which I kind of want to say is a new career. I'm with the Parks and Recs Department now for City of Parkland, best city out there. And honestly, life has been good. So now that everything started to settle in, I'm back in school. Life is uh, kind of quieted down, I guess, for the most part. My daughter, Gabriella Soul, just turned one. And she's developed to a new stage where now I can feel comfortable coming back, hopefully making podcasts, maybe a week, two weeks, maybe a month. We'll see how it goes. So, like I said, you're probably wondering why I'm back. So, the episode scheme before was Todd would talk about depressing Miami sports or anything else related to sports or maybe whatever Todd wanted to talk about. The new approach to the podcast is now still time out with Todd. However, it's now where I take my time out and speak to some of my friends or people that I peak interest in. We'll have people that work with different communities in the public. We'll have people that work with different fields, such as finance or maybe police. And I know a lot of people probably feel like, well, Todd, you used to be a cop. How come you don't speak on it? I don't want my experience to justify me having a podcast by myself. I'd rather have somebody that actually works in the field and I can pick their brain on current issues that we are seeing in today's news. So I hope you're strapped in for the new approach to this Time Out with Todd era. And uh, I thank you for joining me once again and taking a time out with Todd. Alright guys, jumping right into the episode. So like I said in the intro, Time Out with Todd will be featuring very interesting or even community interested resources, if you want to put it that way. This episode, since it's April, and April is Autism Awareness Month, we'll go ahead and talk about some autism awareness stuff. And with me is two personal Very close people of mine that I know work inside the autism community. Autistic community, autism community. We'll get down to the bottom of that. Because I'm pretty sure some of you guys have been saying it wrong. So anyway, joining me tonight is good friend Mike and my wife Issa. So we'll go ahead and start off with Mike. Mike, thanks for joining me tonight. Hey Todd, thank you for having me. Uh, 
Like Todd said, I work in the autism community. Uh, I am a board certified behavioral analyst. I've been working professionally with kids with autism for about 12 years now. Uh, but honestly, I have also have a younger brother with autism that's one year younger than me. So I've pretty much been in this field all my life. I got my master's at Florida Atlantic University in exceptional student education with a specialty in applied behavioral analysis. You have a sibling that's autistic? Or I, I guess, is it is it autistic when you say it to a person? Or do I say that they have autism? What you should say is it is a person with autism, people first language. Thank you for that. I, you know, going through most of my life, I never really knew if it was autistic, autism, and I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've dropped a hard R word before, and I don't want to repeat it because out of respect, I know that it, it's kind of looked at in a disrespectful way. But so my question is, how how has life been with a family member that has autism? Well, life with uh, a sibling or cousin or just about any family member with autism it could be could cause some stress in a person's life um it is definitely uh learning something that you grow with i do believe that from living with my brother that has autism it definitely shaped my personality and life and helped inspire me to be in the current field that i work in and I'm very grateful to him, and I love my younger brother, and I wouldn't change anything about him. That is, man, you respect earned for that, because I, I can only imagine how much that must take mentally, physically, and the fact that you have the love for him, like, that just shows a lot about who you are as a person. So, I, I guess, be, before we move on to Issa, what, what do you do currently? Well, like I said, I'm a board-certified behavioral analyst, which stands, uh, which is a BCBA. What I do is uh, I study behavior of kids and adults, and I create uh, treatment plans to help improve or change their maladaptive behavior. So how it works is that I will work with a new family. I will interview them. They'll tell me all about their child. Uh, they'll tell me what goals they would like me to work on, what skills, uh, tell me uh, what some things that are barriers, things that are keeping their child back right now. I'll then conduct this assessment when I meet the child. I will also look at them. I will see what is like holding them back. After all that, after I have collected all my data, I will then create a treatment plan decide what goals I want to work on and just help them learn the new skills and help them improve their everyday life. So I guess you're a combination of a case manager as well as like a teacher planner as well. If, if I'm summarizing it to the best of my ability. Uh, how I like to look at it is yeah, kind of a case manager that when I work with a new client, I also like to think of it sort of like a detective field because you need to look at a, chi a child that has autism and just see why are they doing what they're doing? What is the reason? For every kind of behavior, there's a reason. There's it, Behavior just, just doesn't come out of nowhere, as some people might say. It. There's always a reason behind every single behavior. 
Thank you for that, Detective Mike. It's interesting. Never thought about it in a detective spotlight, I guess. So moving on to my second guest, Isa. I know your nerves are probably going to get to the best of you. So for those that remember, we had Isa on our uh, on an episode where we discussed uh, the mass Singer, and I lost, and uh, I still owe her a karaoke machine. But we're not going to get into that this episode because I my dues are still unpaid and I need to pay them because she loves to bring it up every so often. So anyway, we're not here for that. We're here to discuss who you are and what made you passionate. So Isa, thank you for joining us tonight. Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Isa. Um... I'm actually a registered behavior technician, otherwise known as an RBT. I've been working with the autism community for four years. I received my bachelor's degree at Florida Atlantic University in psychology. I'm actually getting my second bachelor's degree now at University of South Florida for communication sciences and disorders. I plan on being a speech language pathologist for kids with autism. Now a little background about what exactly I do. Um, what I do exactly, sorry. Um, RBTs basically create a fun and motivational environment for individuals with autism. My mission is direct implementation of applied behavior analysis under the supervision of a BCBA. So someone like Mike, I'll basically be under his supervision, making sure the clients get their treatment plans and get the, meet their goals and everything that they need under that plan. So you're basically the detective junior. You're you're his assistant, I, I guess, if you want to put it that way. I guess, yeah, in a way. I mean, okay. So I mean, th this is very interesting. So, in the autism community, because I'm I'm trying to learn. Because I know you guys told me it's a people first. So you want to always put the person before the actual. Would Would you say it's a disability or an illness like I, I'm, I'm asking because I mean I don't know what the general public knows about autism so when when you say it I know you guys said person first but how would you properly say it I guess if, if you want to if you want to put it that way well you want to basically it's the way it sounds people first language so if you meet a child that has autism you say oh the child with autism you don't say the autistic child oh uh, yes exactly what Issa was saying you always need to put people first because it is some autism is something that they're with that does not define them autism is just a developmental disability that they were born with it does not define their who they are like we like we we like to say it's a different ability not a disability <laughs> a different ability yeah different ability it's a little state of it. so appreciate you guys telling me what you guys do and why you guys got into it but i guess the awareness wouldn't be the awareness without actually finding out what it is so what is autism well, Todd, autism or ASD refers to a broad range of conditions like categorized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, speech, and nonverbal communication. 
uh, people with autism may behave, communicate, interact, and learn in ways that are very different than other people. Uh, usually there's nothing like that they look like that sets them apart from other people. The abilities of people with autism can vary very significantly. For example, some people with ASD or autism may have advanced conversation skills, uh, but others may be completely nonverbal. There might be people with autism that need a lot of help in their daily life, and there can be others that need little to no support. So I, I have a question, and I remember going through my, my crisis intervention training when I was with Miami-Dade. I remember that they brought this little boy in that he was a part of the scenario, and I believe, if I'm right, I believe he was low-functioning because he didn't speak at all, and he kind of made gestures, made a lot of sounds. He couldn't speak, and he always had a tablet with him, and I remember when the parent came in with the child, they were like, oh, uh, whenever you're out in the field and if you meet someone in distress, there's always some type of, I don't want to say trigger, but a release system, if you would, where his favorite thing was the tablet and you have a friend in me uh, from Toy Story. So during the scenario, you know, it was super beautiful that, that the child knew that he was going to be a part of the scenario. And it was super beneficial and educational for us when we were going through this, uh, the training where we would go through and try to talk to him. And, if, of course, if he didn't have his iPad or his song, he would freak out. He would throw stuff. And, I mean, the kid was strong. He had to be no more than 13 or 14 years old and was flipping desks like it was nothing. So is that something that helps you guys in your job is knowing exactly what their comfort system is, especially if, if they're low functioning or high functioning? Is it the same thing for both spectrums, I guess, if you want to say it? Like I said, I'm not, I'm not an expert in this, but that's why I have you guys here. So that way you guys can educate me as well as our listeners. Is that something that most people can look forward to if, you know, they ever see someone going through a crisis in person or, you know, if you ever see those Amber Alerts that come out saying that there's a endangered child that suffers from autism, you know, from the state of Florida, is that something that you guys can say that helps you guys with your jobs? Uh, well, every single child is, child or adult is different. They're, like I said, they're, with their autism spectrum can vary significantly. Uh, it is very important for us to know all about the child. We have to invest a great deal of time to know what they like, what they don't like, what triggers them, uh, just how they react to all their senses, all their senses. Because generally, sometimes people with autism, their set senses are different than people that are not on the spectrum. Uh, for example, they could be sensitive to sight, to, to hearing, to touch. Uh, what could be a normal like cry from a baby could be very piercing and like very irritating to another person, uh, to the person with autism. So it's important that you must look at everything about the child. That's why you have to make sure you 
be on board with the, the family. You have to make sure you study every bit, get as much information about the child, because uh, the more you learn about the child, the easier it is to help improve their life. And also one thing I want to point out, we try not to say high functioning and low functioning because the, the spectrum is so broad. You could have someone that's nonverbal, but be very, as you call, high functioning. You could have someone that's verbal that's considered low functioning. So it's such a broad, wide spectrum that you can't really classify them into two categories, high, high functioning and low functioning. Didn't know that. So, I mean, definitely, I'm definitely getting some, uh, some education going on here tonight. So we, we discussed what is autism. We discussed what are some key ways to kind of handle, I guess, autism. I mean, I, I want to get into how long you guys have worked with kids, but I kind of want to know how common is autism in the community? Well, uh, as the years have gone by and our assessment tools have evolved, uh, how we uh, diagnose autism has changed over the years. Uh, according to the CDC, that it's about one in 44 children have been identified with autism. And also according to them, ASD is, more, is four times more common among boys than it is among girls. So what you're telling me right now is if I go into like an elementary school and I look at Miss White's first grade class and she has 44 kids there, one of those kids could possibly have some type of autism? It's quite possible. L like I said earlier, that people with autism, it's very wide, very broad. They could be diagnosed with autism. However, their impairments could be like very very like not obvious it could be something just on social skills so a person with autism like in a regular school setting in a regular school classroom that some people you might not even know if they're with autism that's that's interesting so What I mean, so when when you talk about autism, and you know the general conception with people, or you know when when a child has autism or a person has autism, it's always in a negative limelight. And I guess my question is is why why is it that when you think someone has autism, it's a negative trait? You know when when you think of oh well that child has autism, they're not smart. When in reality, we've seen a lot of people. I mean, if, if, if I'm not wrong, I believe Albert Einstein had autism at, at some type of some, – some point, if I, if I heard that stat correctly, where it's kind of – a lot of geniuses have some type of autism disorder. My, my, correct me if I'm wrong when I say autism disorder. Uh, I mean, it's people with autism – and it is, I believe it is true that I did hear that Albert Einstein was diagnosed. Uh, 
some people that have autism well others have been diagnosed with has been known as asperger's so it could be a like a different diagnosis they could be like very keen very good in a certain skill but uh like i said how we've been diagnosed it has changed a lot over the years like before it used to be like maybe one in 100 were diagnosed but then that number number just keeps on going lower and lower because of how we understand the autism spectrum. So what are some common indicators that your child or a child might have autism? And I, I know Mike is, is really detailed on this and, you know, definitely Isa, if you want to chime in on, on, you know, this, if you, you know, cause I know that you've had some experience or anything and I kind of feel bad while I'm saying this is cause Mike's been the main one to speak and I, guys, I only pick on Issa because, you know, obviously <laughs> she's my wife. And, you know, I know that she tries to have other people speak for her, not from experience or anything. But back back to the main point, what what are some common indicators that, that some people might have? I, I know stuttering at one point was, was an indicator of autism. Not exactly. Um... People like to confuse other disabilities with autism. Like, just because someone has a speech delay does not mean they have autism. There's a lot of indicators. There's a lot of different things that might go together or they might not. But we'll get more into that um, once we bring up those common indicators that could be correlated or might not be correlated. But honestly, the best way to find out is taking them to the doctor and getting that proper diagnosis. But there are some things that you could look out for. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, common in- indicators. Uh, so, people with ASD autism um, often have problems with social communication, interactions. Uh, they might display restrictive or repetitive behaviors or interests. Uh, talking more about social communication, social interactions. Uh, you might notice a child with autism might avoid or not keep like direct eye contact with you. They might not respond to your name. Uh, they might not like show facial expressions if they're happy or sad, angry or surprised. Uh, they might not play simple interactive games. They might not like use like proper gestures. They might not point to show you something. Uh, this is why it's like important that that a child that is like very young might not even be a year old. That if they display like some of the common indicators, it's good to pay attention and just make sure you keep up and look at milestones to see m- maybe if the child has autism. But a lot of things, such as, like, not responding to your name by, like, nine months of age uh, could be an indicator. But, uh, like I said, there's, like, other things that could be common, such as, like, restrictive or repetitive behaviors, if ESO wants to go more into that. Yeah, so some of those behaviors include lining up toys or other objects and then gets upset when the order's changed. Or repeating words and phrases over and over again, which we call equaladia. Um, for example, this could be if you say 
say hi. And instead of them just saying hi, they'll say, say hi. So they repeat exactly what you say. So that's considered equalalia. Um, another thing is if they're focused on parts of objects, for example, on a car, instead of focusing on the car itself, they're focusing on just the wheels. Um, they could get upset by minor changes. This includes like a change in schedule, a change in routine, um, has obsessive interests, must they have to follow that strict routine like I was mentioning, flapping hands, rocking body, or spinning in circles, having unusual reactions to the way things sound, smell, taste, look, or feel, and this goes into being sensitive to their senses. It's important to know that children with ASD may not have all or any of the behaviors that we just talked about. Uh, a more in-depth look is needed that has to be done by a trained professional to see if your child has autism by taking to maybe a developmental pediatrician, a child psychologist, uh, only a specialist can diagnose. So I, I just remembering about the rocking of the body. So if when you're talking to a child and, and this, this comes back to that same scenario that I was talking about earlier, I remember when we went to go try to talk to the teenager, or I, I guess child, well, a teenager would be 13, right? Yep. Okay. So 13 year old, he, when you talk to him, I remember he would rock back and forth and he would hum and he wouldn't make any eye contact at all. So, and I, I don't know if you guys can hear me going far away. I'm, I'm actually rocking as, as if I was, uh, I was a child, but, uh, I, I remember, I remember that. And I remember when I got into the field and I had my first CIT, my crisis intervention, where the child would just spin. He would spin and act like as if he was a tornado. We'll call his name. If I remember, I think his name was like Brian or Dylan or something. I know it's two completely different things, but I remember he would spin and stuff. So, I mean, it, it's crazy that you guys bring up these resources or at least these indicators because thinking back to it, I remember exactly like, you know, you guys going through it, that it's just certain things that a child would do. And it's just like that. That's not a normal thing a child would do, especially when you're talking to them and you're like, hey, Brian, Brian, Brian. And like they're just in their own world. So, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you guys you know, talking about that. Three. Any advice on how to interact with a child who has autism? So there are no hard and fast rules on how to communicate with a child with autism. However, many family members have had success with these advice. Be patient. It often takes a child with autism longer to process information. You may have to slow down your conversation to their speed having long pauses can be helpful for them. Be persistent, but resilient. Don't let your feelings get hurt if the child does not respond to you as you'd like. Sometimes children with autism may have trouble showing and controlling their emotions. They can be blunt with their responses, with their emotions, so just try not to take this too personal. Always stay positive. Children with autism respond best to positive reinforcement and a positive environment, so be sure to have them in that type of environment. Be sure to talk to them, reward them with good behavior often. Be generous with compliments for good behavior. Ignore irritating attention getting behavior. A child with autism may act badly at times to get you to focus on them and to get you to 
basically get attention. Ignoring this type of behavior is often the best way to prevent it. Also, you can talk to them about it and reward the child's good behavior often. Interact through physical activity. Children with autism tend to have short attention spans, so having them engaged in some type of physical activity, this could include exercising, yoga, even playtime. This is especially true even with communicating. Um, maybe having them run around with friends, play with friends, go to the park. Putting them in a relaxing environment will help them relax and feel calmer. Be affectionate and respectful. Children with autism often need a hug, just like any other children. Sometimes they need this much more than others, but often children don't like to be touched at all. Even light contact can distress them. Respect their personal space. Never force physical affection on an unruly child. That was some great advice. I think the one thing that I took away is a hug. I can always use a hug. We can all use hugs. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that have, you know, a child on autism or know somebody that has autism, what's a way that they can support their child or, you know, family member or even a friend? You know, some – I want to believe that, you know, humanity is still really good out there. I mean, at least with my, my little religious path that I've been on lately, I, I want to believe in humanity. So what is some ways that people can support others, you know, their family or someone in the community at home or even in the community? I mean, the main thing is just be nice to everybody. Um, and But when it comes to children with autism spectrum, every child is different. Establishing a break area, a safe space for them when they're overwhelmed. Another important thing, like, Michael mentioned earlier is learning about their reinforcements and their triggers. And these triggers often lead to these signs of distress. So basically, preventing this will prevent the behavior happening in the first place or any distressful situation. Creating a signal they can use with you at home. Some kids do well with a visual schedule so showing them visually what's next having some type of routine so let's say first go to the store next pick out groceries next go to the car something like that or even like a bathroom routine first wash hands put soap wash hands dry your hands like Anything like that could be helpful for them. And then the visual schedule is just putting the pictures so that they could visually see it instead of you just telling them. Um, even considering a sensory sensitivity, some are sensitive to light. So adjusting your lights at home, changing the brightness or the color, maybe offering them sunglasses or hats if they're outside. For sound, some are sensitive to noise. So moving them away from the noise, using soft voices, offering earplugs. I know some kids, certain songs bother them. So I know a kid at work, they don't like the happy birthday song. So we make sure to not sing happy birthday around them 
or have them not in the environment where there's a happy birthday going on. <clears throat> As for smell, considering the type of food that they like, considering certain smells that they don't like, this includes not just food, but like art supplies, lotion, and perfumes. And then for reinforcement, giving them rewards for good behavior. So pretty much just know what their triggers are is pretty much what you're saying is make a plan out of it in essential. Yeah, basically know your child. You, you should know what they like, what they don't like, what the triggers are, what the reinforcement is. So a little story time. So I don't know if I told you, but actually about maybe a week or two ago, um, I had to go use the restroom because, you know, at work, I work in Parks and Recs. So we have something called the Challenger Series in Parkland. And that's pretty much where, you know, the community with autism comes out and they, they host a baseball game. And uh, Rizzo, who's with the Yankees, is one of the main contributors for it. And Parkland is uh, is really big in the autist, autism community. Notice how I correct myself. Um, and it was actually really cool seeing how it was. So of course, because, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, when we have events and stuff that all that stuff goes through and because, you know, how, how important events are in the city. So I'm out there and I remember there was this big kid. He wasn't a kid. He he had to be an adult, maybe young adult. And all our bathrooms have a sticker on them that say, you know, it's autism friendly or something like that. Uh, caution, uh, there's automatic air blowers here. I didn't think anything of it. So I'm inside, I'm, I, you know, I use the bathroom and I go wash my hands and I go put the blower on and a kid just started freaking the, the young adult. I was kind of weirded out at him at first. And this is, this is my flaw. Normally when I see someone acting weird, I'm just like, Oh, what, what is this person doing? Not even putting two and two together. And like I said, I, I think we all do that where we just see someone kind of like talking to themselves. Because when I walked in the bathroom, he was talking to himself at the vending machine. So like it was in the back of my head that maybe he might have been, but I didn't want to assume. So go inside. He comes in. And as I'm using the restroom, he's like, hello, sir. Just like, like normally, you know how I am. I'm just like, why is this person talking to me? So I go through and I put on the air dryer. And he just like starts screaming. Like, ah, it hurts my ears. I'm just like, oh, shoot, what? So I stop, and I'm like, oh. And he's like, oh, sorry, sir. I I didn't mean to yell at you. What what is your name? So, of course, start talking to him. So, you know, of course, how nice I am. I start talking to him, and just certain ticks, and just learning some of the advice today with him not wanting to hear loud sounds, him talking to himself. You know, he was basically talking to himself at the vending machine. And even when he was using the restroom, he was talking to himself. He was having a full-blown conversation with a guy named Gary. There was, no Ga- there was nobody else in the room. So kind of putting it two and two together, I was polite to him. I talked to him. And, of course, because I was at work, and I kind of put two and two together. So I was like, oh, no, let me not use the air blower. Because I noticed every time he heard something really loud, he would freak out. So, of course, I sacrificed and I wiped my hands with, you know, I wiped, I dried my hands with my pants. I was like, all right, you know, let me, let me sacrifice. So I go outside and he comes up and shakes my hand and he basically says, thank you, sir. It's like, for what? He's like, I have autism and you not using the air dryer really helped me out. He's like, I know I have autism 
And whenever people do something nice for me, I make an effort to go up and thank them. So going through and seeing the different things, I mean, it's crazy that you're going through the list now and how you can support. And the fact that I did this before learning about it, it, it's, I mean, it's just crazy how if you learn what their ticks are and adjust to it, how much happier they can be with their lives. And I didn't realize it that something little, I mean, going into the bathroom and hearing a, the, the automatic air vacuum, I didn't realize that that would be something that would be piercing to them. And then you talking about this kid that doesn't like to hear the happy birthday song. For me growing up, every time somebody sang my happy birthday song, I was just like, all right, this is awesome. People know it's my birthday. So it, it's just crazy knowing that these little ticks aggravate them. So I, I think it's really important that, that even the community, even if they don't have someone directly that has autism, I think it's super important for them to know that what they're doing could potentially hurt someone else. And, and that's where I come in with the whole humanity thing, where I think humanity ultimately looks out for one another, where we might not think that our loud ringtone could be affecting anyone else. So, you know, I, I think it's important that you guys went through these little, the, the this resource and advice for it, because it's it's key to someone else that could be affected by it. And then what's important on what you said, basically, like, you didn't know he had autism. So the main thing that we should understand is that we're not always going to know who has autism. So it's just common courtesy to just be nice to others, be respectful, pay attention to the environment that you're in, and just be mindful. I, I think that's a key takeaway from this, you know, not just, I, I think we can learn something from not just the autistic autism community, but just in general that be polite and nice to others. Because I mean, it, from the sound of it, just because they might be like, you know, affected by a sound doesn't necessarily mean that they have autism, but I think we should have a common courtesy to one another and that's something that I think we, we as a society and how we are today as people, we're too busy thinking about our self-interest where we're like, you know what? It doesn't bother me, so it shouldn't bother anyone else, right? Where now, you know, you're, you're looking at a community as a whole where our daily lives, yeah, maybe it doesn't bother us, but it could affect someone else. Like a modified car, right? Someone that goes out and gets a really loud muffler. Oh, that's super cool, right? You never know. There could be a kid that's right now crying because your car is loud as hell. I mean, I get angry whenever I hear a loud-ass car. Even though, you know, I'm going to be a hypocrite and say that I wanted to put a little exhaust system on my Volkswagen. However, kind of grew up. Kind of was just like, ah, there's no need for that. Especially when I'm a parent. Like, maybe back in the day when I was, like, 21, when I had the exhaust system on my truck. And even my Volks, my first Volkswagen. You remember my Volkswagen. I remember your Nissan, believe it or not. I'm speaking to Isa. Isa <laughs> had a Nissan Sentra that had a big-ass muffler. 
And I always knew when she was coming over the house because all you heard was this loud ass. I thought the car was going to blow up because of how loud it was. Listen, it was my first car, okay, that I bought by myself. Okay, it was a proud moment. Didn't you get pulled over before because of how loud your car was? We don't talk about that. <laughs> All right, so we digress. So I, I think I think it's a good point to end on this, especially for anybody that's you know stuck around and how educational this been. This has been. Where can people go to find resources for this? I mean, I, I know that the community itself is large, uh, you know, especially when it comes to the support system that they have. But generally, what are some good resources that you guys would recommend? Yeah, so resources, I mean, first and foremost, it's important for families that has a family member with autism to know that they are not alone. It's important for them to know that there is ways for them to seek out help because from experience, it can be overwhelming living with someone with autism. So different resources that are available is people can go online and do different searches. I know going from going on the CDC website, there are different services available for people that can send them links to family services, financial resources, uh, disaster planning, early intervention. Uh, there's also other sites such as the Autism Society that sends that has links to employment, healthcare, education, and community services. Uh, it's very very important, and it's also good that the earlier the better that you seek out these resources and just. People need to know that they're not alone in this. Thank you for that. So I, I know that there's a lot of events that happen too where people can generally come out and support. You know, I know that there's like 5Ks that they'll have, like run, like little walks and stuff. Uh, Best Buddies, I believe, is, is a resource that's out there as well, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, where Best Buddies has – you know, a lot of, I know that they have a, a walk coming up, which I'll, I'll give that to Issa in a few, because um, for, for anybody that doesn't know, Mike and Issa, as well as myself, are part of uh, Alpha Psi Lambda, which is a national Latino fraternity, and they're a part of the alumni club, which their alumni club right now is promoting a 5K with best, best buddies. Which we'll get to in a few. <laughs> Calm down. I know she's trying to plug in the information. Good night. Oh, man. Anyway, I, my point was was I was plugging in Best Buddies because I remember in high school that there was a Best Buddies club. Even in college, there was Best Buddies. And I was also going to name drop Publix because I know Publix is also a good resource. So that's another to the resources. Look into the school that you're at. There might be a Best Buddies program. There you go. That that's the plug. <laughs> that's the additional plug there, right there. So anyway, since she's super eager about talking about this 5K walk that's going on, Issa, go ahead and talk about what you guys have coming up. Um, so we have a Best Buddies friendship walk. It is on April 30th with Cooper City High School. Um, basically, we're walking to raise donations for them. And 
Um, if Cooper City High gets a certain amount of donations, they get a pizza party, which I think they deserve. Um, but other than that, it's just great to support the Best Buddies program. So is there, re- like, I, I know you guys have an Instagram, which I'm going to tell you to plug in. So you might want to pull up the Instagram handle just in case if anybody's interested in it. it. Can they also pull this information up on, like, best if they Google search Best Buddies Cooper City High, too? One moment. You heard it here. So anything helps. I'm hoping that this podcast episode helped. Uh, you know, definitely it's very insightful. Definitely got some education purposes out of it. I hope you guys learned something new because I definitely learned something new, especially with the community of autism. Um, you know, I want to say thank you to Mike and Isa for coming out here. Do you guys have any final remarks before we uh, end the episode? Uh, just thank you for having us on the show, Todd. Uh, thank you for giving us a chance to talk about the autism community and just giving more information about it. Uh, thanks for having us. <laughs> wow, there it is. As always, as always, guys, thank you for taking a time out with Todd. I hope this time out around is educational, insightful. You guys learned something. And I'm really hoping that this episode helped out some people that were struggling. You know, that that's the approach that I'm looking forward to this time around with how I want to take the new time out with Todd. You know, we'll, we'll still have some sports talk. Maybe we'll see. But uh, I, I definitely want to have more people come on where I could just sit down and have a normal conversation and hopefully educate and give resources to you guys. And, you know, when you guys take that time out, it's uh, it's for the good. Anyway, guys, this is Time Out with Todd. Thank you for joining me. And we'll catch you next time for a Time Out with Todd.